Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski, and we have with us three very aged guests. <laughs> Adam, so, so much aging. So aged. I'm drunk on power, Tony. <laughs> okay. So we have Tony Huff. Hello. Paul Wilcox. It's great to be here. And Doug Gobeski. The listeners should know that I am your younger brother, sir. So if I'm <laughs> aged, what does that make you? Well aged. I mean, you're you're more than 12 minutes older. So we're not twins like the <laughs> characters in this movie. <laughs> also true, I guess. But yeah, um, today is a very special day. As we record this, it is Friday, November 6th, 2020. But you're listening to this on... If you're listening to it the day it came out, uh, you're listening to it on Monday, November 23rd, 2020. So happy 57th anniversary, Doctor Who. Sylvester McCoy music? Yep. Nice. And the other question is, are we going to have to cut all of this for copyright reasons? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Fair use? How, how aggressive is the BBC? Okay. How quick we have to criticize it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess I guess it is fair use because we're mentioning the anniversary. All right. All right. So, so what are y'all doing on the anniversary to commemorate? Uh recovering from my hangover from the previous day's anniversary the uh 57th anniversary of the assassination of jfk correct oh. our so last drinking holiday for you <laughs> oh my gosh it is still going well it's the single version my goodness. This is Paul's jam. Okay, you can't see me, but I'm, I'm vibing. I'm like the vibing cat right now. The top of my drink has turned into kind of a foamy slush. Because the, the glass was so cold. So yeah, Doctor Who, what are you going to do? Going to hop on Pluto TV and watch some? Is that up? It's it's pretty loud. (laughs) Plus, anything we say during it can't be cut, because there's no way that he can, uh, you know, splice it correctly. I think it's on Pluto TV. What is Pluto TV? You watch commercials, right? Then there's channels, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, what is this? It's an online, I guess, streaming service. It's a free service with ads. Huh. You basically choose channels is what I've heard. It's not like you choose a show to watch or a 
an episode to watch. It's just whatever they're playing. Okay. Do I get targeted ads or is it just going to be, you know, the same kind of uh, Medicare fraud ads you get when you watch a uh, real, like actual television, but on the, on the crummy networks? I don't know. Do you not like the uh, mirror that it holds up to you when you see the targeted ads? No, no. I actually <laughs> would rather get the targeted ads. Oh, oh okay. I, yeah, maybe I, you can go in there I and don't... check all the track me boxes or whatever. <laughs> I don't have any need for catheters, okay? I don't need a rascal. I certainly don't need a CPAP. <laughs> Are you sure? Maybe they're trying to tell you something. How else do you get that uh, you know, copium into your lungs? <laughs> well, I'm not a MAGA chud, so I don't need any hope. Speaking of chud, maybe that movie's on uh, Tubi TV or uh, what is it called? Not Tubi, Pluto TV. <laughs> chud, huh? Uh, <laughs> where where can I watch Chud? <laughs> you can watch Chud on Pluto TV. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I knew it. Can I really? Yep. It's actually it's also on Tubi. Well, Hoopla. sounds like we need a podcast recording break to watch a different movie. There's like a certain, I feel like there's a certain brand of just bad, you know, movie that is going to be on every free streaming service. But more importantly, Charlie hasn't answered the question yet. What am I doing on Monday the 23rd, 23rd? to um, celebrate the 57th anniversary of Doctor Who? Uh, maybe, maybe I'll watch a uh, Jodie Whittaker episode. I haven't seen any. Okay. There we go. That's something. You have H- You have HBO Max? Uh, maybe I won't then. <laughs> what, what else? I... <laughs> I have HBO. You can get mine. Yeah, give me, I'll, tell I'll me, give me his password. Oh. You log in. Yep. I mean, I've I'll got just... the Jodie Whittaker stuff on Blu-ray. I could, I could, uh, come visit you and lend you my discs. I prefer the version where you set up something outside his window so you maintain s- social distance. <laughs> like a projection screen outside in front of the main window. Just project it onto a screen that is the window, and then one of you guys has to watch it backwards. <laughs> oh, there you go. I was thinking more of a say anything situation where he just holds up a CRT television for <laughs> a half hour. <laughs> And I watched the episode. <laughs> half hour. Half hour. How, how half good hour do you, you think the pandemic has been for my physical fitness? <laughs> my goodness, sir. I'll you know, everyone it helped, like but hour. it hasn't been that great. Those things are heavy. <laughs> they call him Video Rahim. <laughs> Always hauling her on that CRT with a car battery. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, welcome to the 49th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March. We are tackling the Phase 2 MCU movie, Avengers Age of Ultron. This is a May 2015 release and uh, is the peak, I guess, of Phase 2. It's not the end of Phase 2, but it is probably the biggest of the Phase 2 movies. In intent, if not in actuality. Which movie is the end of Phase 2? Ant-Man. Coming up next. Okay. I never really understood the phases, so... I think it's just a promotional thing. Oh, okay. Uh, But yes, Avengers Age of Ultron is the story of one Dennis, Avengers Age, who decides to meet up with his long-lost brother, Ron, and they meet up and they have a good time, but it turns out that Ron has been infected with a special sort of computer virus, 
that turns him into Ultra Ron. And uh, <laughs> so he spends most of the time after that uh, speaking in binary and uh, making lewd computer jokes. <laughs> I, I love lewd computer jokes. It's a family film. <laughs> uh, and then a meteor comes and kills them both. <laughs> but just them. Jeez. <laughs> Bit of a downer of an ending. Because uh, they just continue their uh, their shenanigans on the internet. In cyberspace, as I believe they call it. So, Doug, what's the actual synopsis of this film? The Avengers are after Loki's scepter. And... Tony Stark uses the scepter to create a general artificial intelligence that then attempts to uh, take over the world slash wipe out humanity, and it's up to the Avengers to stop it. So the general artificial intelligence bad guy is called Ultron, and he's very much got a Vietnam uh, conception of uh, world peace. Do I need to explain that one? We have, to, we, we have to destroy the village to save the village. Oh, <laughs> he's running a scorched earth campaign. Ah, I thought that was a pretty good synopsis. I think I only took a couple sentences. You probably have a free sentence left, Doug. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, oh, you can save it for later, though. Um, you don't have to use it now. <laughs> no semicolons. Or you can get four sentences next synopsis. And also, uh, Maria Hill and Nick Fury show up to help save the day. There you go. They do. A lot of people show up. Maybe not to save the day, but uh, all of them, but to contribute in some manner or another. Yeah, but Maria Hill and Nick Fury are the only ones I actually care about in there, right? <laughs> they're, the, they're the best ones, at least, in my opinion. So, had you seen this movie before? I hadn't seen this movie, and I didn't really have any conception of what it was, or how it connected to any of the rest of the MCU. Because I'd seen parts of Infinity War, and I didn't really know exactly what was missing. I guess maybe I knew that Scarlet Witch, and um, well, I knew she was coming up. I didn't know about Quicksilver because, uh, spoiler alert, he doesn't make it. That's about all I knew. We're really front loading the end of the movie in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is one of the um, the rare times where I actually saw the movie before I don't exactly remember the first time i've seen it but i feel like i've i've seen this at like three or four times now um because uh i really i really like this movie i had seen this once before on i can't remember what media i watched it on quibi probably uh yeah in vertical <laughs> mode so all right you really right. get a lot more when you turn when you can turn the movie yeah, <laughs> I kind of like the horizontal edition, but I had to tilt my head the whole time, though. Oh, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember watching it before just once. I didn't have a lot of strong memories of it. Like, I remembered the end, but I was like, how do we get here? Basically, I'm not sure how much I was paying full attention the first time I watched it. I so. I kind of agree with that because I had a similar feeling. Because it, it's been a minute since I've watched this movie. And so I was like, I feel like this is what happens, but I'm not completely sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then as it unfolded, I was like, oh, OK, I remember the next thing and, and all that good stuff. So I think it's because it's packed with so much action in like the midsection of the movie. You know what I mean? Where you can kind of get lost in some of the story. Doug, had you seen it before? I have seen it before. I saw it in theaters when it came out. That was the only time before today that I've seen it. 
mainly because it was not a good experience. I remember you mentioning that there's some particular issue with this movie hey, that bothers hey, you hey, a lot. Hey, hey, I know. Hey, hey. I'm not. I, I'm just requesting yeah, that I get to guess when that time comes. Can I guess at a couple of things? Yeah. yeah. All right. Like, not yet. Uh, as with all MCU movies. Yes, I'd seen it before. Saw it in theaters. Um and then bought the Blu-ray, watched a couple times, as you do when, uh, when you're re-watching MCU movies. I remember at the time prior to it coming out, feeling slightly like not that excited for it. I think there's actually a podcast somewhere where I probably mentioned this, that I'm just like not that interested in it. And I think part of the reason for that is that, well, I know a big part of the reason is because I knew the Guardians of the Galaxy weren't going to be in this movie. And I was like, well, I don't care anymore. I just want more Guardians. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> but I think it's also the case that phase one, all those movies kind of felt like they were building to the Avengers. Like, here's Captain America, here's Thor, here's Iron Man, you know, etc. And then we're going to bring them all together. Phase two, though, doesn't really feel like it's building to Age of Ultron. Like, there's no real clear thread other than occasionally i think it's actually only in one movie there's like oh there's these twins they're weird okay it's the end of one of the movies it's like a post credit scene it's almost like avengers is the culmination of that first set of movies and age of ultron is the sequel to avengers oh okay. mm. Mm. i'm just i'm just contemplating would you have any difficulty understanding this film if you went straight from the Avengers to Avengers Age of Ultron, just skipped the intermediate movies. And I think you'd probably still do okay. So I feel like I can speak a little bit to that because like, I think this was one of the first MCU movies that I watched. And I think this is like one, the one that kind of started to get me like watching more. So did you watch like Avengers and then immediately like Age of Ultron next? Yeah. Like, like, I just feel like I watched it and I didn't really have a lot of like backstory or anything like that. And I feel like I, I followed it pretty decent. So are you saying that as a as a complaint then? Like you wish that it had been built up to from somewhere else? Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a complaint so much as a realization that this wasn't the movie either that and I don't know if it's just that I built it up in my head as like, oh, this is what it should be building to. Or if there actually was marketing stuff at the time that was like, oh yeah, this is what phase two is going to build up to. But it, yeah, it just kind of dawned on me today that I think this movie works better almost as just, if you just treat it as this is a sequel to Avengers rather than this is the high point of phase two. Cause that's actually something that I liked about it was that I felt like after the Avengers it's like, oh, well, now we're here. Maybe we should just do some more Avengers stuff right now like i would be fine with just like a one-off movie where you know it might not have tons of like overall consequence and just to kind of keep them together and just get more content out of it so like i kind of like this for that reason and i agree i don't really see much between avengers and now that is necessary to understand what's going on i just kind of wanted a fun movie with the avengers in it yeah i think the only thing you really need to know is that shield went away and winter soldier right that answers the what happened to nick fury what did you guys think of the opening scene. I know we try not to talk about effects too much if there, unless there's not something to say about it. But I feel like during the opening scene in the snowy woods, 
I had like a lot of trouble with the scene, like looking kind of weird. And I was like, this is a huge budget movie from 2015. And I was like, I'm having a really hard time unseeing just like the green screen, like on stage. Like there was, I only mention it because I usually don't even notice the effects, but I did during that opening scene. And I was wondering if anyone else did. And when we just watched it, I was also noticing that where I was just like, oh, that Thor move is kind of weird. Oh, Hulk doesn't quite look right. Oh, that shot was kind of strange. So, yeah. Or do you remember having the same thought when you watched it the first time in theaters? I don't, but I don't know if that's just because I was in, oh, yeah, New Avengers mode or whatever, right? Like, I don't know how far down the blinders were. I think my primary thought was, hmm, really feels like they want me to watch this movie in 3D. <laughs> That yeah. that means something. Like it, it felt yeah. like one of it felt like one of those uh, those sequences where it was really yeah. meant to be watched in yeah. 3D. And, it, I, and it's just such a one of those scenes where you're like, okay, where you lose the sense of like free will. It just feels like way too everything happening all weird and perfect together in sequence. I'm yeah, not saying like you don't had... have to suspend disbelief, but it felt like okay push the button on this like Rube Goldberg machine of an action scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the bad guys had choreographed it with the good guys ahead of time. Exactly. It was like a dance. It was, it was West side story. <laughs> like, yeah. Fall with hammers instead of knives. This and finger snaps this time though. Yeah. Uh, it just had like too many, like, you know, it's like, I get it, it's cool, but yeah, so much, like, unlikely stuff. Yeah. Not that yeah, I'm like, looking for realism, but it just, like, that that combined with the noticing the effects and, like, kind of seeing the compositing of it kind of set me off on a weird mood. I, I didn't really even notice the effects after that, though, personally. Yeah, my memory um, at the time was that it was like, oh, this is a cool action scene, right? Okay, that moment where it slows down as they're all in frame is a little cheesy. But other than that, like this is a lot of fun. So we were maybe we're just looking at it a little more critically or with hindsight or what. Yeah, I mean we have been hammering these movies pretty hard, so <laughs> it's easy to easy to be more critical than they expect you to view it with. I think it kind of goes to what you were saying, Adam, which is that yeah, maybe we're being more critical and I am just because I've we've watched so many of these movies one after the other, so I think the comparisons are more obvious. I believe you mean to say that we have had the privilege to watch a large number of these movies, Charlie. No, I've I've enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> uh, you got me. I enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> the rare and heady privilege to enjoy every Marvel movie. <laughs> mm. All right. So then setting aside the, um, the snow stuff, like, like, how did we feel about the setup with uh, Baron von Strucker and the twins and Hydra and that stuff? Like, did you think that stuff was handled okay? Or uh, I mean, Strucker just felt like a plot instrument. Like, he didn't really feel like he had very much, very deep characterization. He was just there as a reason for uh, why we're going to introduce uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, I mean, it gets killed later in a... Off screen, screen cap. Yep. <laughs> Killed off screen. Oh, well, to go behind the scenes for a moment here. Age of Ultron is directed by Joss Whedon, who directed the first Avengers. 
And um, this was a movie that apparently uh, suffered from some studio. I don't know if meddling's the right word so much as maybe like lots of notes. Marvel at the time had this uh, group of four people called the Marvel. I don't know if it was officially or unofficially, but they were called the Marvel Creative Committee. Uh, it had, the, I think it was Brian Michael Bendis, Joe Casada, Alan Fine, and somebody else. Can't remember who. But apparently, throughout more or less phase two, their notes started getting more esoteric. Like it would be like, does the science of this particular scene work rather than what's, how's the shape of the plot and stuff like this? And then it wait, sounds wait. like they were having comments about does the science of this comic book movie make sense or not reportedly i think some of these comments come via joss whedon so it might be worth taking a grain of salt just given the kind of interviews he gives but apparently things came to a head uh with this movie ant-man and then civil war was the final straw they asked for a whole bunch of stuff to be included i guess to set up future movies and things like that apparently the initial cut was a little over three hours long and then after that, it was either Creative Committee or Ike Perlmutter, who they kind of reported to, the boss of Marvel. Um, and Whedon were just butting heads on stuff constantly about what should be kept and what should be in, like cut out. And so I'm willing to bet that a lot of this stuff, um, like probably the death of Strucker, was cut out just because there was so much stuff to cut out. And they had constant fights about what to keep and what to get rid of. Like apparently Joss Whedon wanted to keep the farm sequences because he felt they kind of gave the audience a chance to breathe and kind of humanize them a little bit. The uh, creative committee or Perlmutter uh, disagreed with this. They'd wanted to get rid of that. Um, <laughs> they wanted more stuff with Thor in the cave. Uh, Joss Whedon fought really hard and said, I don't think this belongs in the movie. I'm not sure why we should keep it. Apparently they basically gave him an ultimatum of either keep the cave or you lose the farm scenes. <laughs> uh, so this is why Joss Whedon after age of Ultron was absolutely furious and basically told Marvel that he was never going to work with them again. Side note. It sounds like that might've, uh, he, he might've relaxed his stance a bit because between age of Ultron and then Ant-Man and civil war. And we'll talk about those when we get there. Ultimately, what happened was Feige went to the head of Disney and said, please reorganize so that I no longer have to deal with these people. Roughly. <laughs> that's roughly, I'm sure it was much more political and all stuff that, but that's roughly what happened such that the hierarchy of the studio or the, the Marvel studios at least switched. And so then they were able to do the things they wanted without those sorts of notes coming down constantly. Oh, and apparently the other problem was they were apparently really slow with giving notes because they had full time jobs doing other things. But they expected these notes to be followed, and so it just was slowing production down and things like this, too, apparently. That's all a very long way of saying things like the Baron von Strucker death might have been in the initial cut and then removed in the final edit. That's It's actually pretty good to know that story, because I really liked the farm scene, and I really hated the Thor stuff. I had no idea what was going on with Thor. <laughs> I, I agree. I did not. In, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but understand maybe the thor stuff you know i guess it gives them a reason to go back to asgard it wasn't clear to me why he had to go back to asgard he got the warning from heimdall and it still wasn't clear what was going on or why he needed to go into the pool besides the fact that stellan skarsgård told him to do it 
Like it just was it just was very vague compared to some of the rest of the backstory. Yeah, my best guess is that other than it's setting up Ragnarok, which right obviously went in a very different direction once the creative committee was no longer in the picture. The only thing I can think for this movie is that it, to the extent it matters, it sets up that the Mind Stone is an Infinity Stone. Mm, yeah, that he that he knows that it's an Infinity Stone. Yeah, did we need to see that? Maybe, maybe not. They could have just covered it and like, yeah, I went to Asgard and this is what I found. Here's 90 seconds with the little vision thing done. Or S.H.I.E.L.D. could have shown up and just told him. Oh, that's true. We could have found it in the basement of Odin's uh, palace. Mm. Oh, also, apparently Loki was in this movie at one point. Oh. But apparently they cut his scenes because... According to Tom Hiddleston, it completely imbalanced the movie because it made the audience think Loki was in charge of Ultron. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Mm. Now that would that would actually make sense because <laughs> they were like, "Oh, it's Loki. He must be the one but, in charge." But in the farm scenes, one thing that I like walked away with was they really tried to upsell like uh, Hawkeye's, I guess, uh, like reason for being on the Avengers. I actually really like that stuff, though. Oh, I did. I did, too. But it just I mean, I guess I never really I never realized it on the first couple watches. It's like, oh, wow. Like, he's really the glue for the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, I like the way how like everyone's like, oh, they've got all these powers or tech and things. And he just shoots fancy arrows and stuff and is really good with a bow. But it's like in this movie, it's like, oh, he's the one Avenger who really has this together right <laughs> he's got a wife a family like <laughs> nice house really nice yeah that was that place was like cottage core af yeah. right now. <laughs> and, and it was completely off the grid yeah. <laughs> no they had they had power lines they showed power lines but yeah but the kids were still just out. reading paper books in the middle of the day like normal kids <laughs> we die of a wimpy kid oh really oh that, yeah. that checks out and 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 i also really like hawkeye's character because uh he definitely like makes fun of his own powers so to speak you know when he's talking with the scarlet witch and just being like uh uh we're going up against these people we're on a floating city i have i i have a bow and arrow like <laughs> none of this makes sense <laughs> so i I liked him as well for some of his comedic relief as well, you know, um, as well. I wonder if it was even a direct response to, I'm sure, like some people making fun of Hawkeye for that exact reason. It's like, what is Hawkeye doing here? Like, I imagine after the first Avengers movie and Joss Whedon was like, I'll show you why Hawkeye's here. I'm like this huge plot arc yeah. <laughs> just about him explaining specifically he's why he's the farm. best one, which I liked. I thought that was yeah. really funny. It actually gave Je- Jeremy Renner a chance to be funny, too, which I think has been a little bit yeah. over-serious in the, his previous showings. Yeah. Yeah. Like the part it was just swapped he, like, out for every other character being very serious. The part where he, like, fake threatens Quicksilver, where he's just like, I could do it and no one would know. And he just starts <laughs> imagining the conversation. <laughs> actually, I think that's one of my favorite parts in a lot of, like, the movies, because... I like that too because, like, Black Widow even says, like, not all of us can fly. And I just like how they just cut away and show him 
running like toward <laughs> wherever the Avengers are. <laughs> it's just like kind of slow and pathetic. <laughs> but yeah, you really relate to him, you know? Yeah. In that, in that really. moment, he's he's really Joe Sixpack. But yeah, that you guys bring up a good point. Is like, yeah, the a lot of the other Avengers are pretty more serious. They don't seem quite as fun. Especially Captain America and Tony Stark, I feel, just didn't feel quite as fun this time. I guess I didn't really get that. I, I, I feel like, for me, they, they've been pretty established, so they definitely have, like, moments, you know, like, the whole time when they're trying to pick up Thor's hammer and, sure, you know, yeah, they get various parties. I mean, like, uh, there, there is comedic breaks, I th- you know, for this, and I don't know, there, there, there are subtle things that they say and do yeah i think i just mean it's sort of a general overall like i think in tony stark's case it's because he's sort of the instigator of the entire thing that kind of pushes him into a more serious position in the movie yeah it's like in many ways this is his fault and the way he feels like he keeps refusing to learn anything gets a bit frustrating because partly i think because and i don't maybe it was just because the again the editing process but it never feels like they like they kind of explain his position but they never really clearly explain his position of like why he keeps doing this like why he's ready to make a jarvis robot after ultron's gone so bad i thought that he was saying he, he he makes a makes a point about you know the end game being kind of interstellar that there, there are things that are bigger, and so they need they need something that to, to kind of like save that world. I mean, I understand that, but what I don't understand is like he's seen how badly Ultron went, and rather than try and figure out okay what went wrong, he's just like, oh, I'm sure Jarvis will be fine. Let's put him in an indestructible robot body. No, I th- I think that uh, if you want to see Tony Stark having doubts about what he's doing you should just go rewatch iron man 3 he went through iron man 3 he's kind of better he's not you know so traumatized anymore he's he's a lot more sure of himself and so i think that's what's going on here in age of ultron is he's like okay well that didn't work but i'm not gonna let that stop me from trying again I mean, I guess I might agree with that, except that we very clearly see him re-traumatized at the beginning of this movie with the Scarlet Witch's vision. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, don't know, she just, traumatizes most of them, except feels, for uh, uh, Hawkeye. It feels more reckless than I would have expected, I think, is maybe just what I'm trying to say. Well, maybe he's just reckless because of what uh, Scarlet Witch did. Just residual maybe. recklessness from that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I suppose there could be a vision so intense about the future that maybe you just yeah would do anything you could to stop it that's what we're to believe wouldn't you be freaked out if captain america died in your arms and accused you of killing them all as he died i'm just dying in your arms tonight (laughs) i thought about that too (laughs) it must have been something you said That's all I got. That's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole song, actually. <laughs> and then, yeah, to me, it feels like occasionally Captain America comes off as a little too serious. He's almost dour. If Tony Stark has to be serious because of his role, then Captain America has to be serious on the other side. 
to play against that. So, yeah, there's not a lot of room in the middle for humor. Are they yeah. uh, are they trying to set up also any type of like character feud between the two, between Iron Man and Captain America for Civil War? Uh, that's possible. Civil War is definitely on the horizon at this point. But contrasting that, I think Thor actually feels a little lighter than he has. In, he's closer to Thor the Dark World than like Avengers Thor in this. Like, I think they're starting to play to Chris Hemsworth's strengths more. I hadn't thought about it, but I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I don't know. I, I think Chris Hemsworth does a really good job of like towing the line of like playing something serious, but then also like getting in like some really good, you know, uh, like funny lines and some comedic breaks. I think he's just a very dynamic actor. Maybe he's a little more in tune as an actor with his character and he can kind of make some some choices. Whereas maybe Captain America and Iron Man are a little more rigid. I mean, that might just be a scripting thing is Thor's not required to be firmly one side or the other. And when he's not splunking, he can relax. (laughs) Going back to his splunking adventure. (laughs) (laughs) It's so ironic. You would have thought the candles they had lit or all around would have helped him relax. Yeah. They're all sent. No sort of uh, aromatherapy there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But why does he go and get that one, the, the one um, professor? So if you remember Thor 1, yep. uh, the professor once read a child's book to Norse mythology. Yeah. Therefore, he's an expert on Norse mythology and knows where the secret water cave is. That's it? That That's the whole thing? <laughs> that's my best guess. <laughs> and I'm I mean, only half joking. Okay. No, I know. I just because like to me, I was like, okay, why is he going there? Also, I loved the the um the product placement of the car. (laughs) 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 It's so overt. (laughs) Yeah. Same with uh, Bruce Banner wearing the Beats headphones. Oh, see, I didn't even I didn't see that. Or uh, I guess I didn't pick up on that. Chris Evans in Under Armour. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Large portions. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that's my favorite part. Um, but yeah, I just to me it just seemed like a very weird callback to like bring him back. It, it almost was like he was in the last one. We should bring him back. Yeah, a lot of a lot of cameos or just characters yeah. coming Contractual back. Contractual obligation cameo. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and who is uh, the the love interest between uh, Thor? Like, like Portman? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Like. It would have made more sense if like she showed him, but they didn't Marvel and 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 her like they kind of yeah as you as that. you may remember from installment forty two on Thor the Dark World, she was so furious at what happened behind the scenes on Thor the Dark World that she refused to come back. She is coming back for Thor four, right? Yeah, I'll say this, but I don't know if I believe it. There's a suggestion that uh, it was the Marvel Creative Committee that also was leading to issues. Of re- Guarding Thor the Dark World because they're producers on some loved ones, so they have say on who to hire as directors and things like that. I don't know that I believe that. That seems like it might just be everything that's terrible about the MCU in phase two is the fault of the Marvel Creative Committee, which I don't think is true, but I think it's probably <laughs> a viewpoint out. I don't know, man. They've got an extremely sinister name. That is true. You know, you, you they don't have they don't have faces, they don't have names, they just have this creative committee soviet sounding uh title the mcc we did establish they have names 
I mean, you, usually in the name of some committee like that is they do the opposite of what's in the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Paul. Yeah, but that's why Natalie Portman's not in it. She was done at that point. But all right, so Charlie, why don't you take a guess at what you think one of the things Doug disliked about this movie was? Them talking about the net. <laughs> You mean uh, like internet? Yes. Well, that's what they called it in 2015. The net. Do you mean the Nexus part or? No, well, they're just talking about uh, just Ultron being, he's in the internet now. He's everywhere. No, that, that didn't even, like, that didn't even rate. Okay. As if the launch codes are connected to the internet. <laughs> hey man. And not stored like on a piece of paper that seems or like the in an dumbest air gap. possible thing. So I can kind of believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not impossible. It just seems like there's an easy solution to it. <laughs> like that all time and of- multi-factor authentication. Anyway. <laughs> so Charlie, uh, strike one. Yeah, try again. Try again, Charlie. Why did that bother you? No, I just it just struck me as something that would bother Doug. I thought it was going to be something uh, tech or science oriented. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're you're getting there. You're getting there for one of them. <laughs> Okay, this is, I'll only make a second guess, which is the part with all the thrusters on the floating island. I was kind of confused, like, what is what is Iron Man doing? And what is Thor doing here? And what are all these thrusters doing? How did they plan this? You're so close. Okay, that's that's my last guess. My, my complaint there, that's the plot point complaint, is I'm not convinced that the, the evil plan would have worked at all. Because the the thing that he was you know going to drop was the size of a city. That's it. It's it's only a city sized. And you know if you think about it, it's like okay, potential energy is what mgh. Oh yeah, but he also has and the you've got gravity, and then you've got how high he goes, and then yeah, okay, so you can get a bit better on the acceleration. Oh, because there were thrusters on top. It down, but. I'm pretty sure that when meteors hit the planet, um, number one, they're pretty big. And number two, they're going a lot faster. Yeah. They're they're not just kind of coming up and then coming down. They're, you know, burning up because of friction. They're coming in so fast. Well, who knows, Doug? Maybe he was just really bad at planning and it wouldn't have worked. But it doesn't matter because they foiled it anyway. Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I guess the so the other the other alternative is a Vern shot, which is where volcanic activity causes essentially a continent to raise up and then drop back down. But that's you know a continent-sized landmass, not just a chunk of a city. So like a Vern shot would be an extinction-level event. Dropping a city would not. Yeah, so that was that was my plot point complaint is that the the villain's evil plot is dumb. It's just dumb. It's it's not going to work. So Joss Whedon should have taken those producers' notes. Yeah, that's why I'm questioning: were they actually providing notes on technical feasibility? And if so, was that plot point a specific up yours to them? <laughs> <laughs> because he knew that it would it didn't make sense. So yeah, that 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 was frustrating. Do you want me to go into the other things that I uh, took umbrage with? Yeah. Uh, when when they're at the party and they're trying to lift Thor's hammer, 
when Tony Stark does it, he makes a rape joke that I found oh, like, just yeah. sitting in the theater the first time watching it. It completely took me out of the movie. Like it was probably like a good 20 minutes of additional film before I was even, you know, getting back on track. It felt kind of out of character. Like, like I guess if you were going to have anyone make that joke, it would be him, but you, it's 2015. I realize it's before me too, but 2015 really feels like too late to, to be making a rape joke in a family movie and getting away with it. I think you're right about the 2015 being pretty late for that. And I'm not saying that I liked it, but I don't think it, it didn't pull me out of the movie. And I think the reason why is because it had that feeling of a clever and smart aren't the right words, but, but like a clever frat boy joke. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like saying, coming out and saying that I want to, I, think I don't know how I can say this without getting a lot of trouble. I think it's hacked material. It's, it's a joke that's been done so much. It, it's not that clever of a joke. I, I don't think it took me out because it, it was, it's just not a good, you know what I mean? Like you've heard it so many times. I see I don't. I didn't I, actually I'm know that term that, until right yeah, now. I'm willing to believe. Primanocta, really? Yeah, never heard, heard of term. it before. I don't know that the general public would have known that, and so that's what I mean. And that's by sort why of like, he got away with it, right? But that's why I sort of mean about like it's got that kind of geeky frat boy feel to it. Of I'm being transgressive in a way that's not obvious, and if we stop to think about it, uh, yeah, that's really horrific. But if Tony Stark had been 20 years old making that joke, I don't know that I would have blinked at all. And yeah, I think the fact that he's pushing 40 probably, um, yeah, makes it significantly more distasteful. But that it's kind of got that feel to me. It it felt like uh, back in Avengers when Loki used the Q word, which I didn't even know was a bad like I didn't even know what it was. And it just feels like yeah, Joss Whedon so. trying to get away with something. Yeah, yeah, just by being and, and clever think, in quotes, you know. So I didn't, I did, I agree, Adam, in that I did. This one didn't take me out of it. It was just kind of like a eye roll for me. I'm like, all right, let's move on. I don't know two, that the Q word is a thing, Charlie. Oh, I thought two that's what make a line. I, I know that nobody calls it that, but didn't we discuss that it was something that yeah is English and you're yeah. not supposed to say it? So I'm not saying it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but when I. When I Google keyword, I just get quiet. Oh. <laughs> the obfuscated but casual misogyny in the first movie, I feel, is mirrored by obfuscated casual misogyny in the second movie here. And it's kind of like, you can't keep getting away with this. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like two, two, two points form a line. You know, it's not just a one-off at this point. Um, but doesn't doesn't Josh, so, I mean I don't want to get into a whole discussion but doesn't Joss Whedon in some of his other works have kind of a history of some cringe stuff as well? Oh yeah. Not to dismiss not to dismiss rape jokes as cringe but you know some some questionable yeah uh, but content. You, you kind of uh, I don't want to say you can but you kind of can. Yeah, to me it's kind of ed- yeah it's like cringy edge lord stuff. Yeah, you know? it's not like the intent I think is a little different. Yeah, but other than that questionable moment, I did enjoy that um, that interplay between them where they relaxed having fun after the party. 
And I also like how it like casually sets up the plot point about being worthy to pick up the hammer and stuff that pays off with vision at the end. I like how uh, Captain America was hanging out with uh, people that were in his own age group. Mm-hmm. That that was a nice touch. But yeah, we should should we uh, talk a little bit about the the newer characters, namely Vision, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Ultron. We haven't really talked about James Spader at all either. Let's talk about Scarlet Witch, who makes it through the movie. She does. <laughs> Jeez, Claw I, makes it through as well. <laughs> I know why Charlie doesn't like Quicksilver. <laughs> because <laughs> he ended up making a shield for hawkeye <laughs> that's a great point oh my rating just went down nothing worse than a human shield <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so elizabeth olsen scarlet witch i enjoyed her i think she did a good job she's one of the characters that i didn't really know anything about and how she found her way into the mcu so i enjoyed that i liked her powers like being able to make people make people see things is the idea that she can make them see what whatever she wants though it's like she can read their uh, minds and I, find fears i think it was more just she the impression i got was more she just triggers fears in them ah okay okay the one thing i really like about the scarlet witch is like how powerful she actually is and even ultron kind of like gives a nod to that Ultron turns to Quicksilver is like, you know, we're going to be able to disrupt the Avengers, but you're going to like take them completely down. And she's like extremely powerful. And like, even when she's like in pain, when Quicksilver dies and like, you just see in a rage, she just kills anything, you know, all those, those metal bots, bots or whatever. Robots. They all just like disintegrate immediately. I don't know. I just, I really liked her powers. Basically there's no way that the Avengers can win without having her, on their side so it was kind of fun to watch that transition yeah it's nice to have a a powerful female character yeah for sure as well the lack of those might also be an ike perlmutter thing it all comes back to the marvel creative committee you just mean that because black widow is not op uh he didn't seem to particularly believe in female superheroes Partly because he comes from the toy business, and his opinion was that female toys didn't sell. That's mm. why there was never a Black Widow figure until, like, three, four years ago. And that's why there was no Black Widow movie until coming up at this point, I guess. <laughs> until next year. Yeah. Oh, next year in Jerusalem. <laughs> R.I.P. 2020 movie schedule. Yeah. I'll say this much. This movie did make me kind of uh, excited to see the Black Widow movie. So, yeah, on the one hand, we had Scarlet Witch. But on the other hand, we also had Quicksilver, who I felt was kind of underutilized in this movie. It's like he only has one line. You didn't see that coming that he says like three times and then he moves fast. Yeah, it sucks that you immediately have the comparison to Days of Future Past where Quicksilver was like one of the best parts of the movie. And then you have to come and watch this afterward, and you're like, okay, well, it's hard to get excited about about this version. Yeah, I think in the the Quicksilver off, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson loses to his kick-ass counterpart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I did not realize that that, until the end credits, that that was Aaron Taylor Johnson. Like, I was like, oh, wait, that's kick, that was kick-ass? 
must have been that believable accent that he had. <laughs> and I guess the facial hair, right? Did he have some facial hair? <laughs> I promise I watched the movie. He, he didn't wear glasses in this one. So. Oh, I, uh, it's, it's probably like the glasses. <laughs> the hair, it, yeah. That's it. I, yeah, I chimed in about halfway through and was like, is this kick-ass? <laughs> Adam was like, yes, it is. I like I like Vision. Yeah, Vision was cool. I really like that they gave it to Paul Bettany because he'd spent the earlier movies as the voice of Jarvis. Oh, really? So to actually give him the physical representation of Jarvis, I thought was really cool. That is cool. It's true. Plus, if they knew they were doing this, they could give him time to be like, yeah, get in shape. Several movies from now, you <laughs> won't just be in the uh, voiceover booth. <laughs> every every voice actor's uh, dream and or nightmare. Like, oh god! <laughs> Picturing uh, a version where Vision's just a just a some really fat guy. <laughs> oh, like Ultron went onto the internet and got a hold of the wrong stick. Where he was like, oh. According to this corner of the internet, this is what people's body shape should look like. Really chonky. <laughs> Went to reference the chonk chart. <laughs> <laughs> Big chungus. <laughs> so if if Vision is half Ultron and half Jarvis, then is he like a quarter Tony Stark? Is he really half Ultron though? He's like part Ultron. Did Ultron like inject half of his mind and there's we could probably go and measure the percentage visually i kind of got the impression that jarvis overwrote the ultron code oh maybe i'm misremembering the wrong part of the movie but i thought visually that's what we were supposed to take away mom you taped over my ultron recordings (laughs) um i would uh, apropos of nothing um Vision comes out of the, uh, the the cradle of life thing, and I'm just like, my man's got no. D- <laughs> What's up with that? Uh, I guess that really, I guess there's a question as to how human Ultron wants to be. And is he a, is he a sexual being? I mean, do clearly, we, do we ever get that answered. You do get the impression that he's pretty human centric in the terms of in terms of like, you know, he designs his body with like two legs, two arms, torso, head to human proportions. Maybe it's just a plot convenience for the audience, but you get the impression that the core Ultron personality moves from bot to bot rather than being like a, a net spread across them all. Um, when wanda pulls out his metal heart it's literally a a metallic heart so you do get the impression that ultron is definitely consciously or not aping the human form but maybe he was like yeah what am i gonna do with that (laughs) Uh, i guess if he doesn't have to pee maybe he just yeah he might have improved the design like maybe he can deploy it when he needs to (laughs) oh yeah maybe I mean, don't Vision and Scarlet Witch have a relationship? Should we yes. inquire deeply into the nature of that relationship? They, no, they, we, they we, shan't. we shan't. We shan't. They right. end up having a child together, Adam. I think that's true. I just don't hey, know the circumstances. Hold on. In the comics, doesn't she like go crazy and essentially use her reality-altering powers to actually create 
fake children. Uh, I'm trying to remember how House of M starts. I'm not sure these are questions worth asking. Okay. I feel like right. Scarlet Witch is one of these in the comics is one of these characters who just pinballs all over the map as far as her characterization like, and personality powers. and characterization. Yeah. We've danced around it a little bit, but what about Ultron, our big bad for the where, for the film? Uh, I just I just gotta say, where where's Hank Pym in all of this? Uh, so there was an initially a discussion about Hank putting Hank Pym in this movie, but I think at the time they more or less decided that Hank Pym was Ant Man's territory, and they didn't want to step on Edgar Wright's toes. So that's why he works with uh, Bruce Banner instead of working with Hank Pym to create Ultron. Yeah, well, initially, Ultron's created just by Hank Pym. Well, sure. So I think just sort of moving that wholesale to Tony Stark in the context of these movies works reasonably well. Tony and Bruce. Right, but primarily Tony, right? Like, he's the driving force. Bruce is just like, yeah, okay, I I agree with you. Let's do this. I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, Bruce is the driving force and Tony's just the hype man. We don't really know what the, the breakdown of work effort was between the two. So release the Whedon cut. That's what I'm hearing. The 191-minute Age of Ultron miniseries on Disney+. Plus. Look, they uh, needed, we'll bring back all the characters. They needed both scenes. guys to make Ultron and to finish Vision. No one wants to join me in this Age of Ultron, the Whedon cut maxi-series <laughs> only on Disney+. Plus. I mean, sure. You could have a whole, whole episode of this character development on the farm. It's just a farm episode. Yeah. Oh my god. More farm scenes. A, I'm I'm just imagining a spin-off TV series where it's just Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton doing various remodeling projects <laughs> around the farm. <laughs> I'd watch it. Yeah. That would be so much fun. Oh my gosh. Hawkeye's this Tell me else. you wouldn't love that. Uh isn't I think there's supposed to be a Hawkeye series coming on Disney Plus starring not Clint, but his daughter, Kate. So, but maybe he'll be in the in some episodes working on the house. We don't know. Anyway, James Spader. Yay or nay on James Spader? Just as a person. Ah, as a... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's start there. Charlie, I really liked James Spader <laughs> as Ultron. Oh, good. Uh, I thought it was a really great uh, casting decision. Yeah, he was fun. He, he wasn't your stereotypical heavy bad guy. And he was liked, funny, too. I liked how it seemed like he had a bit of like Tony Stark's personality almost in the way he talked. In that sort of casual way. Yeah. At yeah. least that was how I was justifying it in my head. I got that, too. I think that's definitely in the text of the movie. That there's like Tony Stark in him, and that's why he's not just some unfeeling artificial intelligence robot. Which would have been like a horrible villain. And... James Spader, <laughs> he can he can kind of do that deadpan delivery, you know what I mean? And it still has a little bit of bite at the end. His voice just has that quality, I guess, where he can kind of get away with something that's maybe a little more monotone or deadpan, and then he can like just change a little phrasing at the end, and then it's like it kind of changes the whole thing. And it's and puts a little bit of sarcasm or or whatever into it. So I I really enjoyed. Uh, even just listening to him throughout the the film. So as much as people like the uh, the hammer related jokes in this movie, I think my favorite is by far just when the Hulk jumps up into the plane and grabs Ultron. Ultron just says, "Oh, for God's sake!" 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the, the moment of the movie for me. <laughs> All thanks to James Spader. All right, Charlie. So do you want to take a guess at the moment that I didn't enjoy in the movie? Oh, um, was it, was it the human shield? <laughs> what, was, what was it? <laughs> oh, I love shields. I know. <laughs> it annoys me to no end. That's why you get along so well. You complement each other perfectly. Right. No, it was not the human shield. Yeah, no, I got, I got nothing. The part that didn't really work for me, I'm perhaps slightly ambivalent about it, but I just in the context of the movie, I just really don't think it works. Uh, is the idea that the fact that Black Widow can't have children makes her a monster. Oh, um, oh yeah. So you you mentioned that uh, previously to me, and so I was paying closer attention this time, and I think that that's a misreading. Isn't like, it I think it's a very easy misreading to make, because I don't think that the way in which the script was written there worked well because i think it's actually harder to get the intended reading than to misread it but i think when she says she's a monster she's more referring to the fact that they turned her into a merciless killing machine Mm. you know because like i think she mentioned something about uh as part of the graduation you know they sterilize you but i think they also have you murder a guy that's what it seemed to look like in her like flashbacks or yeah. But I guess I was also maybe thinking like maybe these are just like feelings she has about herself that she's a monster. You know what I mean? Like it may yeah, just be a reflection that, of her own like maybe insecurities or or like you know something that was taken away from her and that may be something that she just had she hasn't worked all the way through. So. That's why I'm kind of ambivalent about it, because I think I'm perfectly setting aside for the moment Doug's point, which I think might actually be right, um, and just taking it the way I took it initially. On the one hand, I I kind of sympathize with that, right? Of like, you know, she's her own person and she feels the way she feels and that's just how it is. It is a little worrying in a series of movies that have so little strong female representation at least up to this point that the main strong woman um it seems as if she expresses her um lack of childbearing abilities as monstrous and i can see that i I, can understand that that sentiment and i if doug's right which i in retrospect i think is probably true um I think that's very poorly handled in the movie itself. And someone should have noticed this. And honestly, the fact that either no one noticed it or everyone was okay with it is a little concerning. Yeah. I thought, I thought it wasn't handled well either. I thought that the point of her bringing it up was to relate to the Hulk though, at that point, because he was talking about how, you know, I can't, he can't have this, that sort of life, that domestic life and children or whatever. And so that's why she's bringing it up at that particular moment and saying that she's a monster to maybe try to relate to him. But again, I agree that it just was not handled well. So first of all, this is Maria Hill erasure, and I won't stand for it. Secondly, (laughs) I apologize. I'm probably in the minority here, but I'm just I think Kobe Smulders does an absolutely amazing job as a as Maria Hill in all of these movies. And I just wish she had more screen time. Like, 
both the actress and the character because it's just spot on. So then maybe but, I should amend any- that to primary female. <laughs> um, that said, I, I do agree that, yeah, it's very, it is at best uh, clumsily handled. It's like in isolation, treating the movie on its own terms and the characters just as they're presented. I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but in the context of the actual world and what that says to people, um, I think that's where it becomes significantly more problematic. That was the one moment that kind of brought me out of the, the movie for a second, where I was just like, what? Huh? So as long as we're, we're mentioning uh, you know, some of the issues that we had with this, in like the last third of it, the where they're just fighting just hordes and hordes of you know robot zombie whatever you know drone just here's a here's a whole ton of ultrons to fight through they're not human so you don't have to feel bad when the uh, heroes tear them apart it just felt like a slog after a while like it just went on too long really like, i actually they, had the things like hmm. yeah like i i had my fill of that for me it's there were enough like little moments here and there that just kind of bridged the gap and it just, you know, they were like, oh, Captain America and Thor are saving some people and then Hawkeye saving some people and Quicksilver and those sorts of things that I didn't mind that. I find myself enjoying the last part quite a bit. Who's going to break the tie? I would say I did generally enjoy the climax. That was one of the more engaging parts of the movie to me, like the last bit. Maybe it was because the monster was kicking in by then, but the the monster energy drink. Oh yes, yes, the monster. I assume, energy. I assume you had one of those after your nap, and yeah, there was part of the movie where I was getting real tired, so I I had the rare evening monster. Ooh, see, I can't even tell if you're joking at this point or telling the truth. I'm not. The truth. I am not. I was I was starting to nod off hard. Okay. It, right in the middle there, I was like, "This movie's long. Uh, <laughs> it is I a need, long time. I need. It's Friday, so I can have some caffeine after dark." <laughs> <laughs> I um, watching these movies. I have found something about myself is that I guess I really like action, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and huh. yeah, I really like how how like uh, the MCU does some of these action scenes and i agree with you adam where it's broken up you see enough different i mean there there's so many characters in this movie too that you can you can spend a couple of minutes with each character you know and kind of have some memorable moments uh you know comedically or otherwise and uh i don't know i i i just i I found myself not being bored with it where sometimes uh with more dramatic movies i'm just like i'm like paul and i need to get a monster (laughs) (laughs) so what are some moments in this movie that you enjoyed that we haven't talked about yet if there are any um did we talk about the um the tony stark hulk yeah no we did not that that was like a pretty big scene like that was emotionally obviously that kind of led up to like a very low like the sort of the low point before the conclusion of the movie i thought it was a cool action sequence i like the uh anime lover in me was like okay we've got a bigger iron man suit like (laughs) maybe you know maybe this isn't even his final form like (laughs) i like that it shows how much money 
uh, Tony Stark has. <laughs> he just has a Hulk suit in orbit, <laughs> ready to go, to be dropped. Yeah, yeah I space. forgot. I forgot that it was from space. Yeah, like, they put like the you know the metal cage around the Hulk. Like, yeah, <laughs> just deploy this from orbit. Like, <laughs> like that to me was like, That's... man, he's got some money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Elon Musk, move over. <laughs> I guess in this universe, they could be terraforming Mars by this, you know? Like, <laughs> I guess I've already touched on it, but I liked the scenes where there's a little bit more downtime. Like, I really did like the scene after the party, you know, and just I, I've kind of wanted since the Avengers just have the Avengers like interacting with each other and having some banter between them. And you get that a couple of times in this movie. You get some right there and you get it like in the farm scene which i actually really liked that was maybe one of my more favorite scenes of the movie strangely yeah with a movie that's so heavily packed with action yeah it's like if you've gone to all the trouble to bring all of these characters together it's nice to have a movie where maybe we're not trying to advance things so crazily forward all the time and that's what i felt kind of like the whole movie was was doing whether or not that was his intent i don't know no i i get it I, I I like those scenes too, but I also like that you want an entire movie that is just them hanging out with each other. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I like that. The Avengers After Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Tony and Steven go to White Castle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the the funny thing is, is that I feel like that would be like hey. just the cast seems to have a good chemistry that I bet it would be fun (laughs) you know they had like like mini shorts or something you know what i mean like like a youtube series i mean that's what the the coda at the end of uh avengers is basically isn't it yeah that's why i say he wants more um i have three little moments that i liked we kind of touched on it but not really but i really like how having the vision pass thor's hammer to thor just instantly gains his like the trust of the rest of the Avengers. Like here's someone who's worthy. I think that's handled really well. I really like that moment. That That payoff is really good. Yeah. Because you also um, have Thor when Captain America kind of budges it for a second. You see Thor actually like kind of get worried. Right. Oh, he's going to do it. And then when, when uh, vision just hands it to him and everyone's just like, Oh, and you just see Thor. He's like, yeah, okay, well, whatever. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And, and then also I like at the end when they're like arguing about it, like, Oh, that's a machine. (laughs) Uh If you put it in the elevator, (laughs) I did like that one. Yeah, that was, (laughs) I, uh, I also like the the little moment where Vision and Thor are talking about the balance of the hammer. Oh, yeah. Mm. Where he's like, it's really well balanced. Yeah, well, if it gets too heavy in the head, then it's (laughs) you lose it in the swing or whatever. (laughs) And then the part that made me genuinely laugh out loud this time was when whoever it was, Tony Stark, whoever tells War Machine to go take care of the fleeing Ultron drones. And he's like, War Machine's on the case or something like that. And then Vision comes in and just like wrecks them to pieces. And Don Cheeto's like, okay, what? 
<laughs> so like, was I he, literally laughed out loud at that moment. Was he reacting to the fact that he was destroying them at all, or that he was using the weird density manipulation thing to like reach into them and tear them apart from the inside out? That was so bizarre. The impression I got was that suddenly there was this super powered guy on their side who he possibly had never even heard of or seen. Oh, I guess just I hadn't like, thought of that part. Where okay. He was just like, all right, what is happening here? What? <laughs> okay. Yeah, Don Cheadle's great. I I liked this part earlier where he's trying to tell the joke and when he finally gets it off with a less accomplished group of people, <laughs> just that look on his face was like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to go. <laughs> It, it actually feels like me when I'm not talking to you guys. I feel like I can get you guys to laugh. And when I go to other people, it's like, man, this kills usually. <laughs> I, just say, I guess what I'm trying to say is, thanks for being my friend. <laughs> so ultimately, what would you think of this movie? Would you go head out to a farm on state with it and just kind of relax and recover your bearings? Or would you go into a weird cave with some dude and have crazy visions? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> I don't understand how this the can't studio be a both. Demands both. <laughs> yeah. You're describing the same situation. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a classic example of a both and. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm asking... How many Hulkbuster armors out of 10 would you give this movie? Uh, yeah, there were a lot of individual components of this movie that I liked. I really liked James Spader as Ultron. I think he carried a lot of the movie for me. Um, I liked a lot of the random cameos from people from previous movies, like still in Skarsgård and Don Cheadle as Rhodey showing up again. I felt like, and I guess I didn't really mention this before, just that there's always a balance you have to strike with these movies about you have so many characters. If I had one problem with this movie, it was just that there were times where there's too much going on for me to quite understand, especially in the action sequences where everyone was off doing their own thing and they were all supposed to connect somehow. I just had trouble keeping track of it. So I don't think necessarily the action sequences were the strength of it. It was all the sort of stuff in between that I really liked, especially those couple of scenes where the Avengers had some downtime together where you got to see them interact a bit more. So I guess ultimately I would give this a I would give this seven out of ten Hulkbuster armors. So it was trying to achieve what I wanted, which is just a random Avengers movie where, you know, there isn't necessarily super high stakes for what's going to come in the future. At least it didn't feel like it. But yeah, in some ways it didn't hit the mark. No, I uh, I really enjoyed this movie. There was more more things that I picked up um, in terms of like plot points on like the third or fourth time around, I guess. Really like a lot of the action that's in this. And then I just I really didn't really enjoyed the cast. I think that they have such a good chemistry. Um, and with um, James Spader as the villain, um, I thought that was uh, really well done. I'm going to give this one. Charlie kind of threw me off with a seven there. Um, too high or too low? I th- I thought it was a little low to be honest with you. I I, I was gonna okay. give this a I was gonna give this a nine for me. I think um, I I, I really I really like this film, but I I can understand why people would grade it maybe a little bit lower. So so it's not I'm not upset that Charlie did that. But. Well, remember Charlie's scale stops at seven, so so it's really a ten. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's what he told me because he mentioned a Eugene O'Neill reference that I didn't catch, but he never brought it up on the podcast. Oh, no. That was the part where Tony Stark just said he had a really long day. Like, he knew Eugene O'Neill played long day. Oh. So he directly said that, but I was like, oh, ha. Huh. All right. That feels, again, like you know Joss what? Whedon trying to be uh, clever in a way that isn't intended for most people. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, I still can... don't get it, but whatever. 10 out of 10. Yep. I actually think I'm going to amend this. I, I think I'm going to go 8.5. Looking at my past scores, I think it's a little more uh, consistent than giving it a 9. So 8.5. Yeah, so it's kind of weird. Like, usually every time in isolation when I think about this movie, I just kind of think about the issues I have with it, where it's like, yeah, okay, uh the plot's kind of annoying. Like sometimes I have difficulty really following the clear motivations of what's going on. And the characters sometimes don't feel like they're quite as much fun to be with. And there's some weird moments that kind of stick out. And it just feels like every time I watch it, it's like I'm reminded just how fun it is to actually watch the movie and how much there actually is going for it. Like the action sequences for the most part are great. I think the characters are actually handled pretty well, and I don't know that I've ever really had any trouble following any of the fight sequences. Contra Charlie, it is—it's fun. I do—I do think that it doesn't quite work for me in, in that the scope of it feels both large in that you're dealing with Ultron and a world-ending threat, but also small in that you're—I know I sort of should be judging this based on just itself as a movie, but. It doesn't feel like the culmination of phase two, so it sometimes feels like a bit of a letdown for me because of that. And I know that's just a me thing, but it's still how I feel. And then, yeah, because of the positions Tony and Steve Rogers take in this movie and the way they kind of rigidly stick to them, I find that a little frustrating as a viewer. Like, I don't feel like I can have as much fun with these characters because they're acting in this manner. All this is saying... Initially going into this, I was I was just like, oh, man, Avengers Age of Ultron, that's just going to be like a six out of ten or something like that. But I think for me, it's actually going to be a seven point five. Um, it's not perfect. And it's probably the weakest of the Avengers movies, Avengers proper. I think that maybe that'll change when we rewatch or when I rewatch Infinity War and then Endgame. Maybe that'll be different. But but I, I still think overall, it's actually a pretty good movie. So I enjoyed this movie a lot more on this second viewing than I did on the first viewing. So much so that I'm I'm going to double my score and give this six Hulkbuster armors out of ten. There were there were uh, some fun things in it, some some fun dialogue, fun interactions. It was well acted uh, throughout, but I just. The things that I disliked about it just really dragged the movie down. Like, it was basically like in order to fix the things that I had an issue with, you you would have to be retooling significant parts of this movie. Probably, probably at least 50% of it would just straight up have to be, you know, different. Um, like, it would just be a different film in order to make it a good movie, in my opinion. So, 6 out of 10. So I, I I like this movie. Um, parts to me that seem to kind of drag. Maybe maybe I'm also kind of gravitate towards good action scenes. But at the same time, I did really love what they did with uh, you know Hawkeye's character and going to his awesome farm getaway with his wonderful family. Overall, I thought it was you know pretty good. 
I mean, there was humor in the movie, but it was, you know, yeah, like some of the characters were kind of in a little more serious mode than I would have preferred. Um, I like the ending action sequence, um, but yeah, there were some parts kind of in the middle where I started to tune out. So overall, I think I will give this one a, I would say 7.5 out of 10 uh, Hulk Buster armors. So I guess that's seven plus a couple arms, arm grabbing arms. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on our 49th installment of the Mary Marvel Movie March. Our next installment is installment 50, which is kind of crazy that we got to 50. Mm. I mean, I guess we're assuming we're going to get to 50, but there's no reason at the moment not to assume we're going to get to 50. But so knock on wood, is that the phrase? All right. Anyway, we're going to jump forward to July 2015, a whole two and a half months to the actual end of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the movie Ant-Man. So I hope that you all join us for that and for our intervening episode or episodes. Might actually be episodes because that might be otherwise the Christmas episode. So you might have to wait a couple. We'll see. Or maybe it'll be the next episode. Anything can happen here on the Gobeski Wallace Report, where I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And a special thanks to our ultra guests, Paul Wilcox. It was great to be here. Tony Huff. I had a great time. Thank you very much. And Doug Gobeski. Thank you for giving me a forum to present my views on this movie. Wow, very formal. Wow. But so polite. Yeah. Sorry, I've I've been drinking. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, it's like the verbal equivalent of that extra smooth walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook, just like the Gobeski Wallace Report, and you can also follow us on Twitter at GW Report. And check out our website, thegobeskywallacereport.com. That's probably the important bit. Well, yeah, I guess all the other links are there, so if you remember <laughs> one thing, remember that. Not your name, but gobeskywallacereport.com. <laughs> More important than your name. I think the only thing you really need to know is that S.H.I.E.L.D. went away in Winter Soldier, right? That answers the, what happened to Nick Fury? Oh, so that's why that was a big deal. You you <laughs> watched those movies with us, Paul. <laughs> I know, but like, what if what if not everyone did on the podcast, you know? This is Paul we're talking to, right? This <laughs> isn't some weird doppelganger among us imposter version of Paul, is it? Uh, better call an emergency meeting? <laughs> it's Paul. Uh, it's I have finished my tasks. <laughs> I saw Paul so going out of this going into a vent. Where were you? Uh, I finished up in the cafeteria venting the garbage. Uh, that I think Adam's the imposter guy. I don't know. I see a lot of garbage around. I don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, but you don't see any in the shoot. I'm voting for Adam. That's what the imposter would say. I still say it's Paul. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. So, Paul, are you voting for yourself? Charlie, who are you voting for? Yes. I'll vote so for you Paul. don't have to. Oh, yeah. Okay. Paul was not the imposter. Dang it. <laughs> I just like well, it out. at least he's gone. Space. <laughs> mm, this is topical. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it will last until the 23rd.